Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail, and I am an architect and I work in eastern Massachusetts on additions and renovations to existing homes. So I have made this podcast to serve as a library for people who are planning home renovations. And this is the last episode in season one. Season two is going to be pretty much like season one, except for we are also going to be talking to uh, people who can help you figure out how to do things yourself. So December 2nd is when season two starts. So you don't have to worry about a lag time in there. We're just going to get right to it. But today I have an episode where I was talking to Paul Dushevsky of Great Builds. And we talked about Finding a contractor, again, a subject we, we discuss quite a lot, actually, on this show, because it's so important, and also about accessory dwelling units. So here is my conversation with Paul. Paul, why don't you tell me a little bit about what it is you do? I have been on your website, greatbuilds.com, and you have a really great, you have a really great uh, webinar there on the ADUs, which is great, because that's what we're going to talk about today. But do you want to say a little bit about what it is that you do? Yeah, generally? yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me on, Catherine. Um, yeah, I'll give you the sort of the three-minute quick origin story uh, for this uh, company that I founded a couple of years ago called Great Builds because I, I do think it's kind of novel to most people. Um, I spent about ten years uh, of my previous life flipping homes here in Southern California, and. Um, Anytime I ever met anyone, the most common you know, thing they wanted to talk to me about was one of two things. Either A, they wanted a contractor recommendation for something they wanted to do around their house, or they wanted to tell me about a, a, a renovation nightmare they had in the past. Um, and I had this conversation so many times, it sort of got me thinking over the years, like, how big of a problem is this? So did a little bit of research online a couple of years ago, and some I found sort of an interesting statistic that I think we all know sort of inherently, but it's sort of glaring when you hear it. And uh, so there was a survey done a few years ago uh, asking homeowners that renovated um, what, how their experience was. And 52% of the respondents said they had a negative experience with their contract or their remodel. And it got me thinking like, I don't know any other industry, maybe short of politics where half the people are unhappy and yet, we still, right? right. <laughs> and, we, and we still move on and move forward. And, and so it got me thinking, like, is, is there something I could do to help here? And with my experience with flipping homes, I sort of knew how to figure out which contractors are good and bad and so on and so forth. So I started this company called Great Builds. And essentially, it's a matchmaker for homeowners that want to renovate. We match them up. Um, we pair them up with several contractors that we've brought into our network that are rigorously screened and vetted in advance to make sure they're, they're the good guys. They're the 50% that are going to perform. So we'll match those with homeowners. So we know we, they have a good contractor on board. And then if they choose one of our contractors, we will stay involved through the entire renovation process with that homeowner to give them guidance, support, and make sure that the contractor stays accountable. So I thought that was missing in, in, in the business of helping people find contractors. So that is what Great Builds is. It's a, it's a matchmaker that helps people find contractors and stays with them throughout the process. That's really interesting. 
So how does that work if there's an architect on the project? Because in theory, an architect would be helping the homeowner through the construction process if they're contracted to do that. But they usually do want to be involved to some degree. So do you do the same thing that an architect would do during that period? I'd I'd say it's a little bit different. The architect is, you know, their main goal is to draw you a good set of plans that is going to make you happy. And, um, and in some cases, you're right, they're going to work with the contractor. But I, I would I would never say it's their job to keep the contractor accountable, because really, it's the homeowner's choice on who to pick. An architect might suggest a few contractors, but in the end, it's the homeowner's uh, choice and who to pick. And that selection process, that decision of picking A, contractor A versus contractor B, really spells the difference um, of having a good experience or a bad experience, irregardless of whether there's a quote-unquote architect involved or not. So uh, more important that you get the right person, the right contractor, and, and and that's not a simple process. And the average person makes that decision uh, in my studies based on uh, really two factors. One is, what's the price? Well, I want someone that's reasonably priced. Okay, fine. And number two is their gut. We give a lot of credence to how that person makes us feel when we first meet with them, that contractor. He smelled nice. He sounded nice. And those two decisions are the basis for uh, those two factors are the basis for that decision. And they're not really enough. You mean the smelling? Because I've never heard that before. Well, you know, not every contractor smells great, right? (laughs) Well, that's true. I just haven't heard that. (laughs) I haven't heard that as being like a plus or minus before. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a big I kind of feel like how you relate to the person themselves, if you're looking at different contractors, if you're getting bad feelings from them before you even start the project, then definitely don't go forward with them. I mean, that's obvious, I guess. But I I guess you're saying don't hire someone just because they might smell nice or be handsome or something. We look, we have biases, right? So yes, the handsome, nice looking, nice smelling, nice sounding contractor is going to make us feel better. And so we're going to say, going to give credence to that person. So what, what Great Builds does, we said, that's great. And I totally agree with you. Gut is important and it should be one factor. Somebody you're not comfortable with, you're right. Absolutely. Check them off. We take a 10-step vetting process and we think every homeowner should do as well um, to make sure that that nice smelling and nice sounding and handsome contractor is also really good at their job. Things like license check, insurance check, experience check, social media review check, uh, interviewing the management, if that's not who uh, is is giving you the bid, calling their references. We run a background check. We made us we make them sign a code of conduct. So we take it to another level. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting. So, are you just in California, or is this a national service? We, we're relatively new, Catherine. So, yeah. So we're just in in Southern California, hoping to grow throughout California next year, and then hope to take it nationally. But the bottom line is this. Uh, if, if you don't have great builds uh, in where you're at, um, come to our site and we'll sort of teach you how to do this on your own in terms of vetting the contractor and making sure you have the best shot at having a good experience. Yeah, you have a lot of good information on there for people. And people ask me all the time, too, how to choose a contractor. And on this podcast, we've had a few conversations about how, how to choose the contractor. So it's a question on everybody's minds, for sure. That's why references are a big, big piece of it that most people, where most people fall down, um, you know, because, oh, it's, it's kind of a pain. I don't want to bother people. We 
always, and we recommend everybody always call references, even though they'll give you the, the ones that they liked or the ones that liked them, right. you could still ask leading questions like, I, I know you loved this contractor, um, but if there was one thing they could have done better, if there, did, did anything come up along the job where you had to deal with some issues? And there's always something. And so you'll learn about them. And if that's something that it doesn't suit you, then you'll know. Right. Yeah. I always try to get people to ask them how, what happened when things went wrong? Because something always mm -hmm. goes wrong. And how, how did they react? Right. Because you can, that's when you want to have somebody that you can work with when things are not going well. I've known contractors to get very angry and it's intimidating and upsetting to people. You know, yeah. you want to avoid that. Yeah, I like easy, what I call easygoing contractors, the ones that are soft spoken and that care about, they care about, they're thinking of the long game. So they mm. want to make this client happy, not because they want to get a check and get paid, but because that client will then be a reference for them and a referral source for them later. And one little secret nugget I'll tell you is usually the best contractors are the ones that are really the most difficult to find because they don't advertise because they don't have to advertise. They work on referral because everybody mm -hmm. loves them. And so yeah. you can't find them on Yelp. And, and that's, that's the challenge. Hmm. So do you think that the, con the, the connection between Yelp and contractors, do you feel like you can find a good contractor on Yelp? I mean, I feel like, well, if there's a good contractor and they have a social media presence and they're out there, then they may be on Yelp. Or I don't know, Yelp is kind of maybe a questionable place to look for a contractor. It's hard, Catherine, because you're, there's, there's no question. There are definitely good contractors on Yelp. The problem is... You know, how do you sift through them? Here in Southern California, we have over 20,000 licensed general contractors. Let's say even a small minority of them are on Yelp and there's 2,000 of them. O okay, well, where do you start? If, if, you can, if you just assume 1,000 are good and 1,000 are bad based on that 50% statistic, good luck. Uh, you, you, you better do your homework. You better at least do five or six or seven of those vetting steps that I spoke about before. Yeah, maybe getting <clears throat> references from friends or coworkers or someone that you actually know, I think is a good place to start because a thousand, a thousand contractors to wade through is a lot. Agreed. I had an interesting conversation. I brought this up a couple times, but I had an interesting conversation last year with a contractor who said that he compared himself to a local restaurant in terms of if, if I were a restaurant, I would be, well, he said Oleana in Cambridge, which is a place I only have been one time on my anniversary. You know, so what do you think about that um, <laughs> relating contractors to restaurants? Because really you can, get a, you can get a meal at one restaurant or another, and really you could get the same meal, let's say, you know, chicken of some kind. You can get the same thing, but it's going to be very different in the two places based on their service and ingredients and all these other things. But I thought that was kind of an interesting analogy. I just wonder. Yeah, look, I, it's an interesting analogy. I'll, I'll be honest. It's one I've never heard before, but I will say this. I can see how it fits um, because there are a bunch of different kinds of contractors. We, we just mentioned one, some that advertise, some that don't, some that have a big staff, some that don't. Some that are one man or two man shops working out of their home, uh, some that are big 
companies with wrapped trucks and they run ads on TV and they have social media budgets and staffs. And so you're right. They, there's the, the rest that they, they, they're from one star to five stars and also one dollar sign up to five dollar signs. The problem is the one dollar sign guy may not be any worse than the five dollar sign guy it just might be cheaper. So um, the price that they give you may not uh, may, may not really indicate everything, although someone at a low price uh, could be it could create a potential issue because contractors, some contractors have a tendency to want to win the job. So they'll give you a low price with the intention of coming back during the process and hitting you with extra charges and what we call change orders. Uh, and, and it's extremely frustrating for a homeowner that, um, you know, is on a budget and uh, they're being nickeled and dimed on every corner. Uh, but that's the way that the contractor decided to, to run his business and make up for the fact that he bid the job low. So it, it's probably a little bit more complicated than restaurants from the standpoint of, um, you know, you have a bad experience with a restaurant. You don't have to come back with a contractor. You have a bad experience. And in the middle of it, there's no turning back. You're either stuck to this person that you now hate, frankly, it's probably not too strong a word, or you have to fire them, which takes a lot of stress and anguish. And then yeah. you have to find another contractor to finish the job, which is not easy to find. So, um, so I like that analogy in some ways and in other ways, I, I think it's not a good fit. Well, okay. That's true. I mean, I guess you can <laughs> just leave a restaurant if you don't like it right in the middle. It's very, very easy to do that, but well, so you wanted to talk about uh, ADUs, which are accessory dwelling units. And from what I hear from my friends in California, that's it's um, well, it's a big thing here as well, um, especially lately. What's going on in California? Yeah, um, here in California, and I know some other states are um, following the lead a little bit. Um, there have been some really significant laws, law changes at the state level a couple of years ago, now again in 2020, uh, that are making it much, much easier for, for residents here to build ADUs, accessory dwelling units. So um, we should probably say a little bit about what an accessory dwelling unit is for people sure. who don't know. Yeah. So it's essentially the ability to build a small unit, small home. In, in your backyard or in your garage or in your attached garage, whatever it is, a second home. And so what that really means is in California, for example, where we have single family homes, anybody now, just about anybody can take and turn that single family home into, for all intents and purposes, a, a duplex by building a second unit in, in their backyard. So the state has essentially, essentially removed single family zoning from the state now that anybody can do it. Well, wow, the whole um, state. I mean, it's it's a statewide uh, it's a statewide oh. law. So oh. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, around here, I think there are certain towns that do allow um, an accessory dwelling unit in the backyard, but it depends on what you're doing in there and all these other all these other restrictions. So definitely, everybody should check their local zoning for that. But it is pretty intriguing because at least around here, people are building these to be their um, work from home offices. Is that what you're seeing? The explosion in relation to that, having to stay work from yeah. home? Yeah. So that's one of them. 
Yeah, um, we've seen really interesting use cases, and I was a little bit surprised when I when we would get calls from clients and and we would ask them why they want to build an ADU. So, work from home is one of them. A big one, probably the biggest um, uh, chunk of of clients that are wanting to do this are doing it for rental purposes. They're either investors that are turning a single family rental property into, we'll call it a duplex because now they can have two rental um, units on their property, or they're purely a homeowner, first time buyer that would love the, the extra income every month. So that's, that's the big one. We talked about work from home. Um, a lot of folks are building them to house family. So they might be, um, housing a retired parent that might that was living in a, in a facility or a home, they might be bringing them onto their own property uh, or college age, post-college age boomerang kid, they might house them there. Yeah. And then the most intriguing one that I, that, that, that really interests me is folks that are um, retirement age on a fixed income living in their home. It's too big for them because it's maybe one or two people. Now they're building an ADU in their own backyard. They're moving into that ADU because it's smaller and they need less space while they're renting out their main house. Usually it's paid off potentially. And they're using that income from that rental stream to subsidize their, their retirement lifestyle. That's a great idea. You have advice for people on your website about getting this, getting this done. Do you want to talk about, about that? You know, again, depending on where you're at, I think you mentioned the first step, which is these rules really depend uh, or they're specific to your city or township, right? So the first place to start is one of one of two things. You go down to the city planning department or building department and just talk to their friendly staff and figure out what you can and cannot do. Or um, you can find, locate, hire a designer slash architect that knows your area that has done this before and they know the guidelines. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. They'll tell you what you can and cannot do. That's absolutely the best place to start. Um, Simultaneously, as you go down the road, if you're going to do this, you really need to make sure your budget expectations are aligned. The city planners or building department and the architect, frankly, are not the best sources for figuring out what this is going to cost. So um, you need to maybe reach out to a few contractors, just have some conversations uh, or research it online and figure out what people are, uh, are, are, are paying. You know, mm-hmm. that's the first question people call us and ask us. So for example, I say we can answer them in, in an instant. I want to convert my garage. It's detached from my house. I live on a flat lot. What's that going to cost? And our answer is seventy to one hundred thousand dollars is a really good um, budget estimate for you. It could be a little lower, it could be a little higher. So that th- those two things: one is get the guidelines, and two, make sure that you you know have the funds or have the capacity to 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 to, to fund this thing because they're not cheap. Right, which is good advice, even just if you're adding on to your house. To both of those. Both of those steps are important, no matter what you're building. But yeah, they're not cheap. I mean, that's the thing. People think they're, um, you know, they're small, so they're not going to be very much money. But as you say on your website here, I mean, I think this is for your area, but my area is also pretty, um, the construction costs are pretty high here as well. I think you have three to $400 a square foot as a budget. Is that right? 
Yeah, if you're building new, if you're not converting a garage, if you're building new um, out here, I know it's expensive here and where you're at, it's uh, we, we, we like to tell people to estimate three to $400 a square foot. The bigger you build, the less it is per square foot, right? It gets cheaper right. and cheaper on a per square foot basis. But people, you're right, people forget they're not building a shed. They're building a small home. So yeah. a home needs to have a roof and air conditioning and a water heater and utilities. Sewer like exactly. Kitchens, bathrooms, right. Yeah, and you say don't not to use tile, interestingly. So is that because of the is there because there's a lot of deflection in the in the smaller home or no, there's nothing specifically wrong with tile. Uh, it, we like to help people find cost savings where um, if, if they're building an ADU on a budget mm. and uh, staying away from tile is one way to do that because um, tile is generally expensive delay. It's very work intensive and, and you really need a tile specialist. So to do a tile backsplash or tile in your bathrooms, it's just, it's just an expensive piece of it. Mm-hmm. There's other options. So for a shower, you can use a shower, you know, sort of, um, surround uh, if you're okay with that on the floors there's something there's a wood style product called um luxury vinyl that's waterproof so there's just there's a way to build your adu with the use of zero tile and it will be a cost savings Hmm. interesting okay and then you say all electric is another tip yeah um you can again save yourself the cost of running a a gas line uh, from wherever it is your your gas main and and save yourself you the the uh, the cost of gas every month if you go electric range, electric dryer, electric, you know, everything. And uh, here in California, especially, there's a, there's a big movement to going solar. So if you do go all electric and then you throw a solar on top of that, um, then then you're, you're killing two birds with one stone there. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. I mean, I think in California, isn't there, aren't they cutting out uh, gas lines to new um, construction. I haven't heard that, but what is interesting is all new construction in California starting in um, 2020 must include a solar system. Huh. Well, that's really great. So yeah. it makes total sense. You can get great induction cooktops and that sort of thing to cook on. You know, I think people think about electric stoves as being um, uneven burners and not the best to cook on, but the induction cooktops, I know that's not saving money, but in terms of using an electric and appliance there for cooking, I think they seem really intriguing to me. Yeah. You know, architects, depending on who you get, you know, they're usually not concentrating on cost. They're concentrating on aesthetics and light and all the wonderful things that they should be concentrating on. Um, But there's ways to make uh, a unit more efficient. If you are thinking about cost, obviously building something that's, square or rectangular, uh, if it, especially if it's two stories, um, where the, the walls sit on top of each other, that, that there's going to be savings there. And same thing with plumbing. If you, um, if you have a two-story, for example, you should probably try to put the bathroom on the second floor above the bathroom on the first floor or the kitchen on the first floor so that your plumbing is sort of aligned and in one location. Um, so anything like that that you could do um, to make it, uh, to make it, to, to make the unit more efficient is, is just going to save you money. Yeah. And, um, are there, are these slab on grade? Is that what they, I would imagine in California, they don't have a basement, right? We don't I mean, have, we, 
Yeah, we don't have basements. We have really either slab on grade, which is, you're right, that's what mostly what we build, or something called a raised foundation, which is maybe a couple feet off the ground. If you're building a, a wet wall, a wood plumbing wall, then you don't need to have the plumbing under the slab because the plumbing can just come up right in, up into the wall. And you exactly. don't have to deal with, with accessing it through the slab. Ex- okay. Exactly. Um, you said something about the, uh, the sewer line. As a homeowner, you sort of want to be as educated as, as you can in ways to, to save yourself money um, or ask the contractor um, or designer, hey, I want to, I want to save 5000 on this project. You give me some ways that, that I can do that. Um, so here locally, the, the municipality wants you to run your sewer directly to the, and connect to the sewer lateral. They don't want your sewer going through your main house. Uh, so that means running a nice size pipe from, let's say, your backyard all the way to the front yard where you can connect. Um, you know, sort of simply put, you can, if there's a good, there may be better places to run that than others. If you have to chip out concrete, um, run your sewer line, um, and then patch up the concrete, it, it may cost you twice as much as if you can find a just a dirt patch or a planter or something else that you can, you know, some other area, you can run that sewer line. People don't really realize how expensive concrete is and it's work intensive and labor intensive and it's just not cheap. So um, just finding creative ways to understand where to run your utilities, things that are as simple as that will, will save you some money. So the concrete, you mean the concrete of the concrete? Slab, or do you mean concrete on the property, like the driveway or something? Sorry, the 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 driveway, right from your from your yeah backyard to your front yard. If there's pavers or concrete or whatever it is, uh, it'll be more of a challenge. Yeah, we don't have concrete as much here because we have usually asphalt driveways. Mm. Uh, Okay, so you also have a tip of not installing separate meters. So if you're having two units, then you would have. You say submeters, right? It, there's just a cost um, for for doing another water meter, another electric meter, and so on and so forth. Um, it's nice to have if if you have a rental, so you can you can charge. You know, each tenant can pay their own utilities, but uh, but there is a cost involved, a couple thousand up to two, three thousand dollars. If if you don't absolutely need that, um, then 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 you could save some money by not doing that. And then down the road, if you want to figure out who uses what between the front house and the back house, you can use, you can install a sub meter or something like that. Okay. Well, that's a good point, especially if you're renting it, using it as a rental property. Um, and then on here, you have this, you have a, a point about how you should hire contractors who have built ADUs before. So I guess that'd be easy enough. You could just ask them or do a, you do an internet search for contractors or, or how do you, how would you go about doing that? I mean, you have the company, but. Well, you're right though. Um, so essentially the, 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 the bigger maybe point here is um, what we like to say to people is you're building a small house. Don't think of this as a small project. It, it's a big project. It, it's building a house. So don't, uh, we, we strongly suggest not using a handyman, not using an unlicensed contractor. The right fit for this project is a general contractor. Um, I'd say most general contractors are qualified to, to build an ADU, but it's always nice to have 
to find somebody to to vet somebody that you know has done built an ADU, especially in your municipality. Uh, why? Because they know what the inspectors look for. They know what the city requirements are. It just it there's no learning curve for them. They've done it before and they've done it in your city. And so it just, it, it's going to be helpful. And so you can ask them questions like, well, the last time you did this in my, in my town, um, what, what issues came up? Um, what kind of inspection concerns came up? Were there extra costs because of, you know, dot, dot, dot. Um, so it's helpful to have somebody that's done it. Um, but, but any good any good general contractor that has experience with, with ADU and then obviously go through the vetting steps, um, that, that's that's the right fit for someone to build an ADU. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. You just, I mean, learning curve, if you can avoid that, that'll save everybody time and stress. So uh, do you have any other tips or anything else you'd like to say about building ADUs or... I th- yeah, I think the uh, uh, just the key is doing doing a little bit of homework, um, and then engaging, like I said, engaging uh, both an architect and a contractor at the same time. So you're 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 thinking about budgeting while you're thinking about your layout, your planning, and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's important as a designer to have um, access to the contractor who's going to be building the project, so that we can be working on the project together as early as possible. It makes my life as a designer, makes my life a lot easier. For sure. So, uh, well, that's great. Paul, do you have anything else? People, your website, people can visit. Great builds is www.greatbuilds, G R E A T B U I L D Z.com. Um, Lots of resources there. Uh, I am Paul at greatbuilds.com in case anybody wants to get in touch with me. And um, we're always available to answer questions. But uh, hopefully you'll find some resources on on my site. And I I, um, hope that helps a little. Yeah, that's great. I I think it's a great service. I wish there were you had a a branch here in Massachusetts because it's definitely needed everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good good luck with that, and I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. You know, the whole idea of building another little house in the, your own backyard and then renting out your big house is kind of intriguing. I mean, it's not going to happen at my actual house, this house, because, well, there's no room for anything else besides um, – there's nothing – there's no room in my yard, but um, – Still, it's, a, it's an interesting concept and dealing with housing issues and, and everything is worth talking about um, locally with your local zoning board and that sort of thing, looking into the possibilities in your own community. So we're actually working on a couple um, pre-designed accessory dwelling units that will be available pretty soon. So it's something that I've been working on, something I'm interested in. This episode is brought to you, as always, by my architecture firm, Demios Architects. I have a new download that you can you can go to the site, demiosarchitects.com, and you can pick up a getting started with your renovation guide that hopefully would be helpful to you. And I also have a uh, Ask an Architect Design helpline that I am getting off the ground. You'll be hearing more about that next season, but... Uh, In the meantime, you could go to askanarchitect.live to get more information about how you can chat with me for an hour on Zoom about your project, and I can 
help you out if you are stuck or wondering if you're doing the right thing or whatever it may be. Anyway, thanks again for listening. And I appreciate that you made it all the way to the end. And um, we'll see you on December 2nd at the beginning of season two. And in the meantime, take care. Take care.